morning. Isn't it good to be here? Amen. I'm glad y'all are here. This is, I'm sorry. Uh-oh. What's the matter? Oh, there's one candle on that side and there's not on the other. Well, the, if you open that door and when you, when you close, oh, either one of them, and you close it, the draft from one or the other knocks it over. So it's underneath that chair. Yes, sir. Okay, sorry, y'all. Um, if you're watching, don't let that be a problem. Distracting you, we'll get it. We'll get it put up before I start preaching. Okay, don't <laughs> focus on Jesus. Um, we are. We're glad that you are here today. Next week is uh, first Sunday meal. It's it's already fall, y'all. I mean, y'all can tell it's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus, for this gorgeous day. And um, the the leaves are starting to turn a little bit already. Next week is our last regular first Sunday meal until January. The the next two, the one in November, will be uh, thanks meal. Start inviting people now. I, I told y'all a couple weeks ago it was going to be flying by, and obviously it is. So the 21st of November is our thanks meal. Everyone who is here right now, you are invited personally to thanks meal. Come, be here on the 21st. If you're watching online, thanks for watching, but be here on the 21st for our thanks meal. If you know people who have been here in the past and haven't been here in a while, invite them because we would love to see them for thanks meal. Uh, I know that um, we're going to have some different things going on. I know that uh, Leneva's group is coming. They're super duper excited. Apparently they've been asking um, like, pretty regularly when are we going back to Cornelius they had a great time here so uh, they're coming back and, and going to minister to us so different things going on but make sure that you are here that's what like six seven weeks from now which is not long but next week first Sunday meal also uh, if you have not yet purchased your items for our shoe boxes our item for the month of September is toiletries of all sorts. So anything you think an older kid would need, not liquidy stuff, but anything you think an older kid would need for toiletries, please bring those things. Uh, again, if you think of something a little kid might need, then that's fine. But I always think of older kids needing different kinds of stuff. So again, you get you get older and you get smelly. So um, keep the... <laughs> It's true. So keep those things in mind. Any other? Thank you so much for your giving to uh, the Gideons last week. It was such a, a blessing that they were here. And uh, thank you. I, I don't think I mentioned it, but thank you for your giving for Tamara. Uh, it was around, give or take, 400 It was around $400 was given for them. So thank you so very much uh, for your giving and, and helping in that area. And any other things that are going on? We will certainly let you know. You'll get a call uh, this week for first Sunday meal and different things like that. Well, last week, not this past week, but the, the, the weekend before, Shane and I went to celebrate our anniversary. Yes. What? What, you, what are you you're gonna, going over in your mind what I'm going to say, aren't you? You're like, oh, golly, what happened that could be used in church? Um, so we went. It was Shane's choice. We went it was to go to the zoo yes he's because we we try to go somewhere that's within a couple of hours of our house so we're not going very far we'll stay for a couple nights and then come back and uh and we went to uh, just naming off some different towns and i said ashboro and he's like yeah we could go to the zoo 
so we did we went to Ashboro and and we we went to the zoo and it was it was a great day seeing lots of cool stuff and they have different areas uh, at the Ashboro Zoo they have North America and all the the different animals you'd see in North America and then they have a section for Africa and they're you know, all the different animals you'd see in Africa and and we were there at the uh, elephant enclosure and I mean there it's it was great there were four I think three or four elephants there and they were just walking around and it's just so enormous so majestic and and there was this little family um uh, a mom and dad and a little boy who was about two or three and he was so cute so so cute and um and they were holding him up and letting him see and he's looking at <laughs> he's looking into the the elephant enclosure and he said look ducks yeah there were there was a group of ducks out there just you know roaming around and <laughs> And his mom said, or no, his dad said, yes, son, we drove three hours so that you could see ducks. And uh, he said, can you not see the elephants? And I thought, how often, how often do we just see the typical? How often when we're looking at a situation and a circumstance in our lives, do we just see the typical? How often do we just see what's normal for us and we fail to see the miraculous we fail to see the beauty the greatness of what god has done for us and in our lives we're just seeing we're looking right past those things so today i ask you to examine your circumstance and no matter if it looks great or if it looks awful see the good things that god has done that he has given to each and every one of us day by day let's stand and go to the lord in prayer ask him to have his will in the service heavenly father we thank you we praise you for your goodness for your mercy your blessings and grace god you are so good and we thank you that each and every day your mercies are new god that you bless us day by day with so many great things and god that we can see miraculous things done in our lives day after day if we'll just take a look father i pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we would be able to see and recognize the greatness of who you are god that we would not just see the the daily aggravations that we would not just see those things that are normal but god we would see that you have blessed us beyond measure lord that you have made a way where there seemed to be no way god that you have brought miracles about in our lives god i thank you and i praise you for all that you do and all that you are god i ask you now that you would have your will and your way in this place lord there is no one who is here by accident but each and every person who is here in person and each and every person who is watching online they are here for a reason and god i pray you would speak to heart i pray that you would mend lives today god for those who came in with burdens and cares those who came in just so depressed and oppressed and anxious i pray you would lift them up according to your will god for those who came in physically emotionally spiritually hurting i ask healing yahweh rafa come down and heal and mend and strengthen god i pray that everything that is said and done today from the very first prayer to the very last prayer would lift you up and glorify your holy name we thank you we praise you we honor you in jesus precious holy name amen and i forgot to mention this is our program is not working right now but it's songs that y'all know so uh y'all sing loud and worship with us amen You give life, 
suffered for you, my God. Your hands, and this is my confidence. 
fail. Your promise, your promise still stands. That great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm in your hands, and this is my confidence. You never fail me. praise today. He is good. He cannot fail. He will not fail. We praise your name, Lord.
Good morning and welcome to the Cornelius Church of God. We're glad to have all of you with us this morning. If you're a guest, we're glad to have you with us this morning. Sister Wiseman, will you introduce us to your uh, friend? Robin. Robin, we're glad to have you with us this morning. We hope that you'll enjoy it enough that you'll be back with us again. It's time to receive our tithe and offering if our usher will come at this time. Thank you for all you do, for all you give. God blesses, and I'm glad that he does. Brother Joyner, will you say the blessing this morning? Sister Jordan, it's a beautiful day. We should all go outside and have church, but nobody. I mean, I guess I'll grab a chair next time and go outside. What? <laughs> well, anyway, it's time to receive prayer requests this morning. Sister Hager. Yes, 
Yes, Cassidy and her physics in college. Yes, Brother Mike. Definitely pray for your family. Amanda. Okay, definitely. Sister. Yeah, I saw him. Is he working? No. She's in the cast from here to here. And I think six to eight weeks she has to have a cast. And I want to pray for my younger sister. She's job you know, job issues. I just pray that the Lord open the doors for her. And if that's it, if anybody has any unspoken requests, raise your hands and stand with me as we take these to the Lord.
found the fellowship.
Thank you again for being here this beautiful day. Oh, my golly. And uh, thank you again for watching. Yes. And like <laughs> Dad would often say, you know, g get your coffee refreshed. We had a, a nice long fellowship time. We didn't we didn't do it last week because we changed everything up. So I guess we're fellowshipping extra. So uh, hello and welcome back again. <laughs> uh, so continuing on in our study, we are on Word Four, or the Fourth Commandment. For those who have not been here, we've been doing a series on the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words of God to His people. And today we are in Word 4. So Word 3, a couple of weeks ago, we realized that there are three different ways that we can potentially take the name of the Lord in vain. We, we discussed that. And if you did not get to hear it, see it, it is online. Go back and watch it. Um, the first way that we're able to take the name of the Lord in vain is in emptiness. Vain conversation arguments in God's name, arguing about things that don't really matter, that won't mean heaven or hell for people, just uh, arguments about doctrine and, and I think it's this way, well, I think it's that way, and not being able to, to get along like we ought to and putting God's name on it. Well, Jesus says this, well, God says this, and this should be, but we need to know what the Word says. The second way, of taking God's name in vain is in worthlessness, swearing falsely, ugly talking. We the way that we normally think of taking His name in vain, saying things we ought not say. Excuse me, allergy stuff going on, y'all. And the third way we can take God's name in vain is through waste, which is taking His name in covenant, wearing His name, bearing His name. When you take someone's name, you are making a covenant with them. You're marrying them. And you take his name in vain, but we're unfaithful in practice. We take his name, we, we say, yes, I belong to Jesus. Yes, I'm, I am God's child, but we don't use the name of the Lord like we ought to. We don't bear it the way that we should. We don't share it the way that we should. So today, as we consider the command, number four, to keep the Sabbath holy, we need to think about what the Lord himself says about the Sabbath. So the first thing is that the Lord took a Sabbath. God himself took a Sabbath after he had created all things. And we'll see this in our, in our scriptures. But after he had created all things, he took a, a rest. And the word Sabbath, when it talks about God taking it, is intermission. He took an intermission. The second thing that God tells us about the Sabbath is that it is a gift to people. When, when the Pharisees would constantly rail against Jesus, he said the, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's a gift that God gave to us. And the third thing that we see in the word about the Sabbath is that Jesus set an example of how we should spend our Sabbath. Also, recall that this is the final command encompassed within the command of Christ to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So those first four words, those first four commandments are encompassed within that one. 
and the next ones from from next week on it will be loving your neighbor as yourself so this is the last one that is really covered with loving the lord our god so so using the sabbath correctly is also loving the lord correctly so take a look in exodus chapter 20 and you'll have to turn there today because again our our program is acting goofy and uh, you'll you'll just have to look for yourself i'll try to read slower so that you can catch up and won't be on the thing chapter 20 of exodus verses 8 through 11 it says remember the sabbath day to keep it holy six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work but the seventh day is the sabbath of the lord thy god in it thou shalt not do any work thou nor thy son nor thy daughter thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates for in six days the lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day wherefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and hallowed it so think about the past in relation to this verse previous to exodus chapter 16 no command was ever written regarding the sabbath when you look up sabbath the the very first reference is in exodus chapter 16 when the lord commands the children of israel to not collect any manna on the sabbath day so it's evident from the fact that the lord instructs them to remember the sabbath remember here means to mark or to recognize it's obvious that they knew what the sabbath was even if it was just from a, a few months prior that he explained to them what it was they were told don't collect any man on that day so they knew what the sabbath was and for the three months prior to arriving at sinai they had been gathering the manna every day except the sabbath and that was enough the the manna that they collected the day before lasted them for the whole next day for those who tried to go out and they you know forgot or just disobeyed or for whatever reason they did not get the manna the extra manna they went out on the sabbath day and it wasn't there so they had not prepared and they learned i would assume pretty quickly to uh, do what the lord told them to do so consider as well what their lives had been up to this point and i realize i keep talking about this may feel like i'm harping on the fact that they had been enslaved but they had been enslaved their entire lives the people that are here with moses in the wilderness they had lived a life of slavery they had been born into and living in slavery their entire lives they had never known anything different so how many sabbaths even if they knew it was important to keep a sabbath day how many sabbaths do you think that they really had the opportunity to take in their entire lifetimes very few if any because they were slaves they were subject to whatever it was that their masters wanted them to do at the time so yahweh is very clear there are six days for working he says to them you do your work now that you're free don't think that you're just gonna laze around there are six days for working get your work done but 
he is also giving them permission to take a rest that they may never have had before. Their mindset was work, 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 do what's got to be done, get it all finished, get it all accomplished, continue to work, continue to work, get it all done. And if you were raised that way, if you were raised that way, then that's kind of the mindset that you're going to continue to have. So he's trying to change their mindset here that you are allowed to take a day of rest. It's good for you. Yahweh is also setting up their thinking for the future. Notice that he says, Thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, daughter, manservant, maidservant, nor thy cattle, or the stranger that is within thy gates. Huh. So he, he says, No one from your families are allowed to work. Work here means occupation, employment, or labor. But also none of your servants, none of your cattle, the strangers that are within your gates. So what gates? They're in the middle of the wilderness. They've just left slavery. They've just been brought to Mount Sinai. They're wandering around through the wilderness. They're going to be here for another 40 years. What gates? So, the Lord is establishing this precedent early. He said, you need to get in the practice, in the habit of this, because one day, you'll come into what I've promised you. You will one day come into all that it is that I have prepared for you. And if you're not doing the laws and the commands now, in the wilderness, you're not going to be doing them then when you get to the promise. So the Lord says, establish this now, establish this practice that you and your sons and your daughters and your maidservants, men servants, which they likely did not have, I'm not saying they didn't, but most likely did not have at the time, your cattle and the, st the stranger within your gates, once you get there, Make sure that this is something that you've set up, that you're in practice of. Why? Why was it important to God that people took a Sabbath? He tells us, In six days God created the heavens and the earth, sea, everything in them, and then he rested. Here that means to settle down, to be quiet, to withdraw, or to give comfort. It says that the Lord blessed and hallowed the Sabbath. Blessed meaning to kneel. He knelt down. He, he put himself under the command of Sabbath. He submitted to the idea of Sabbath. He is God. He needs no rest. He doesn't slumber or sleep. We see that in the Psalms. He didn't need that. But he put himself under that as an example. He knelt down. He, he submitted to the idea of a Sabbath day. He hallowed, he sanctified or made clean the Sabbath. And he asks us to do the same thing. He expects his people not only to remember that it's a Sabbath day. Don't just mark it. Don't just say, oh yes, today's the Sabbath. But also keep it holy. To commemorate it. 
to submit to that idea of Sabbath. So what does it mean to keep the Sabbath holy? Well, for one thing, and it was interesting that Sister Hager mentioned this morning and as we were uh, giving him prayer requests, on the Sabbath, no one requested. No one asked God for anything. They just gave him praise. They just gave him honor. So they took a break from requesting of God. They, it was a, a common practice to just give thanks on the Sabbath day. But also, for the children of Israel, they became so concerned after this, they became so concerned with not breaking the command that God had given that they put barriers around the word that became so difficult to bear. This was... This was really interesting to me. It said that in some of the things that I was studying, a man could not carry something in either one of his hands, this on the Sabbath day. He could not carry anything across his chest or on his shoulder. But he could carry something with his foot, his hair, his elbow, his ear, the back of his hand or his shoe. Some of those things, I don't really know how that would work. Try to imagine it, and it's difficult. Also, no one was allowed to tie a knot on the Sabbath because that was considered work. They were not, a man was not allowed to tie a knot, but a woman was allowed to tie her girdle. Yes, (laughs) got to get those priorities right. Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. But um, <clears throat> So a person could not, if they had to draw water on the Sabbath day, they were not allowed to tie a knot in the rope to, to tie, the, tie the bucket to the rope and put the water, put it down into the water and draw it up. But a woman could use her girdle because she was allowed to tie her girdle. A woman could tie her girdle around the bucket and put it down into the well and lift it up. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was so strange because how often is it that God says, do this or don't do this, and we're like, okay, God, I'm not doing it, but I'm going to find a way around it. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who does that sort of thing. Lord, help me. Orthodox Jews today are not allowed to turn on lights. They're not allowed to to turn on a switch or turn off a switch. They're not allowed to press any buttons. They're not allowed to turn on the stove. Therefore, all their food must be prepared beforehand on the day before. They're only allowed to drive a certain distance. They're not allowed to make telephone calls because pressing buttons is work. During Jesus' day... We see often in the New Testament that the Pharisees and teachers of the law had become increasingly angry with Jesus because he didn't seem to obey those commands. Seven of his healing miracles recorded were done on the Sabbath. There are about 40 miracles that are recorded that are specifically, we know that Jesus did these miracles and seven of them were done on the Sabbath day. In the verses in which he and the disciples picked the heads of grain and eight, they committed, each committed four violations of the Sabbath because they had reaped 
They had threshed, they had winnowed, and they had prepared food. So they were guilty of four violations, each one of them, because they were hungry on the Sabbath day. Jesus even commanded others to break the Sabbath. Remember when he told the man, take up your bed and walk. Well, if the man was able to to carry it on the top of his foot or had been able to carry it with his ear, then he wouldn't have been breaking the Sabbath. But since he picked up the bedroll and carried it, he was technically in violation of the law. And when we think about this, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? So what does the Sabbath have to do with us? Oh, we're not under the law, under, we're under grace and all that. Yes, but since Jesus rose on the first day of the week, modern Christianity has equated Sunday as our day of rest and worship. So we come together not on the Sabbath, which is technically Friday night into Saturday night. The Sabbath is a 25-hour day. They go a little extra. So they normally, a, a, an Orthodox Jew, would, would begin earlier in the day on Friday or even Thursday preparing, getting ready for the Sabbath, turning on all the switches that they needed. They would cook all the meals. They would get everything ready to rest, to just take some time. Do we do that? Lord, help us. But we take Sunday, again, because Jesus rose again on Sunday morning, we take Sunday as our day of rest and worship. It's the first day of the week, technically, so we equate that with giving the tithe of our week to God. But Paul instructed that we are not to condemn those who pick a different day of worship. He said, don't, don't look down on those who don't worship on the same day that you do, do, who don't pick the same day of rest that you do, but it's important that each person take a day and use that as their day of Sabbath to the Lord because nowadays it's difficult, hmm, or we think it is, to find some time to rest, to find some time to, to set things aside. Let's take a look at what Jesus said about a time of rest. In Matthew chapter 11, this is one of my favorite set of verses. Matthew chapter 11, we'll, we'll read quite a lot, but I'm not, I, I won't promise, but I will very, I'll come very close to promising that I'm not going to preach a whole nother message. Um, <laughs> Y'all know me, I, I try to touch on every single verse bring stuff out, but I will do my best not to preach a second message. But I do want us to take a look at this. In chapter 11, beginning in verse 25, it says, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We will read a little further on, but for right now, Jesus begins by giving thanks to the Father for allowing the great mysteries of the kingdom to be revealed to the simple-minded instead of the wise and the prudent. He said, God, thank you that you kept some of these things hidden from those who think they're wise, who think that they're so smart in the world's eyes that they would be so intelligent and, and really have it all together. But God, I thank you that you revealed to the simple the truth of what your word says. And he reveals this truth. He says, come unto, come here, step forward. Come unto me, all you who labor. This means to work hard and to feel fatigue. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. This says, this word over is means overburdened with ceremony or spiritual anxiety. I thought that was really interesting because he said, Come unto me, all you who are labor who labor, those who are hardworking and fatigued, all those who are tired and worn out. But then he said, heavy laden. This word is used only twice in all of Scripture here. And another time in Luke that he talks about the Pharisees putting these burdens on people that had nothing to do with the law, that had nothing to do with the intention of the law. He said, you, you laid people with burdens and you won't lift a finger to help them. And so Jesus is saying, all of you who have been burdened by, by wrong ideas about who God is, all of you who have been burdened by the things that you've heard your whole life but aren't really true, all of you who have been burdened and told you have to do this and you have to do that, and if you don't do that, then God doesn't love you anymore. All of you who are so bogged down with anxiety of pleasing God, come to me. To come to me. I want to reveal something to you that God loves you. He wants you to do right. He wants you to obey. He wants you to follow his commandments. I am not at all saying that that's not the truth. But here's the thing. If you don't do them, God still loves you. You have an opportunity to come back to him and to fix it and to do right. He's saying, come to me. If you've been bogged down, if if you've been trying your hardest in and of yourself, if you have been bogged down with legalism and you just can't bear the weight of all the stuff you think you've got to do, come to me. He says, come Get rest, and this word rest means repose or to refresh. He says, take my yoke. And in the Greek, this is to join in servitude. He's, so, so the idea of rest is not that we do nothing. The idea of rest is that we join in servitude with Jesus. That we come into bonds with him 
that he's on one side and we're on the other and he makes it easier. So as we rest, we work with him. He makes it so much easier. He said, learn of me, for I am meek. Here it's, the word is gentle. It's used only one time. He said, I am gentle and lowly. This literally means of low degree. And he says, you will find soul-satisfying rest. The word rest here means intermission. So in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth and everything that was in them, when he, after six days, and he made the light, and he made the, the heavens and the earth, and he made all the stars, and he made the, the planets, when he created the, the atmosphere and the animals that are in the air and on the earth and under the earth, when he just teamed everything with life, after he created the man and the woman, after he did that, he took an intermission. He sat down. He knelt down under. He submitted himself to the Sabbath, and he took an intermission. And Jesus is saying, Come to me, all you who have, you're worn out. You're tired, and you've been working as hard as you can. You need an intermission. You need a time of rest for your souls. This word as well in the Greek, this word rest, it also means recreation. So think of that. The creation occurred six days, and then there was an intermission. And Jesus is saying, come to me, and you can have a recreation. You can be remade. The, the things that have been on you for so long, the burdens, the anxieties, the troubles, the depression, the difficulties that have been weighing you down for so long, you come to me and you can be recreated. All things can become new. That's what Sabbath is about. A time to make all things new. A time of rest for our souls, but not just a, a rest in the idea of laying down to sleep, but a time of recreation, a time of spending with the Lord and God remake me, change me. So, take a look in the next chapter. Again, I said I was going to read a, a, quite a few verses, but let's, let's take a look. Because Jesus said, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light, the end of chapter 11 and remember, there were no chapter divisions when all this was first written. So as Matthew is writing this, he's just, he's writing, and then he goes right into the next word. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. So at that time, right as he was saying this, it appears as though this was the Sabbath day. At that time. Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungered, and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the, when, excuse me, when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But when he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungered, and he and they that were with him? 
how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. So they begin to fuss at Jesus. They see this. And it's interesting. I, they, they must have had an entourage just following Jesus all the time. Those Pharisees taking a look out for what Jesus and the disciples were about to do. Because this is on the Sabbath day we see that Jesus had just said, Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, I am meek and lowly of heart. This is the Sabbath that he's, that he's talking about this because at that time, again, no chapter divisions. Matthew's going right into it at that time. So he is, he is the place. He is saying to them, I am the place of rest and intermission. I am that place that you can find rest. I invite you to find rest in me. Not just on the Sabbath day, but any time that you need to. He didn't qualify. He didn't say you have to come only on the Sabbath day. Only on Sunday can you come to me. He says any time at all, you can come to me. Not merely once a week, but any time that you're weary and tired. Jesus is trying to break these ideas of legalism by saying, I am the Sabbath. I am the rest. I am it. So, again, showing them that the Sabbath was not what they thought it was, Jesus says, all right, y'all, let's go. And they're like, Jesus, we're hungry. All right, well, here's, here's a field. What doth hinder us from getting some corn, y'all? So they begin harvesting on the Sabbath day, which caused these Pharisees great distress. And Jesus stops and reminds them, Oh, have, have you not read in the Scriptures that David and his soldiers were hungry after a battle, and they went into the temple and ate the showbread that was intended only for the priests and the Levites? They were given permission to eat that because they were hungry because they had just been working and doing what the Lord wanted them to do and they were hungry they needed some nourishment and they came in and ate and have you not also read that those priests and those Levites on the Sabbath day they have to come in and they have to work they have to do what is required to keep the temple running to keep the synagogues and the tabernacle running. They have to make sacrifices. That's work. They have to light the lamps. That's work. They have to make the showbread. That's work. All these different things that have to be done, and they're allowed to on the Sabbath. So Jesus declared to them that he is greater than the temple. And that he desires mercy instead of sacrifice. He said, I don't, I, don't need that, I don't need the sacrifice as much as I need you to have compassion toward people. I, I don't need that sacrifice as much as I need you to stop 
being so concerned with following the legal letter of the law instead of the intention of the law. Follow the law. Again, I'm not trying to say don't follow the law. Please do listen to the commands of Jesus. But what is the intention of that command? He said, I am the rest. I am the Sabbath. These these people are with me. They're finding rest. So then Jesus shows us, and again, one more set of verses. Jesus shows us what we ought to be doing on the Sabbath. So taking a look at verse 9 of chapter 12, it says, And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue, their synagogue, the ones that had just been fussing at him, upset that they had broken the law four different times and four different ways. He goes into their synagogue. (laughs) And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then he said, Then said he unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. So he had just said to them, I would rather have mercy than sacrifice. He he quoted a verse to them from the Old Testament, one of the prophets. He said to them, "Do do you not understand? Mercy is better than sacrifice. He just said that to him, and he walks into the synagogue, and they say, well, should you heal this man? Guys, did you hear what I just said? And how frustrated Jesus must have been. They began to bait him. Oh, do you, do you think that you should heal? This man has a withered hand. Should you heal him? Notice that they come to him to talk about the healing. They're not asking anyone else about healing. They understand, they know, they recognize the fact that he has power to heal, but they don't want him to heal until the next day. This person should have to suffer a whole nother day before you heal him because we don't want to... We don't want to disturb the letter of the law. <laughs> to which Jesus replied that if any of them had had a sheep who had fallen into a pit on the Sabbath, they would rescue it. You'd have compassion on your sheep. Or you'd be concerned with your property enough to take care of that. But this person who has a soul who's important to God... You'd rather that person suffer longer than they need to because you don't want to heal on the Sabbath day. 
was a person who was loved by God more important than a sheep? Should they not have shown compassion to this man by bringing him to the healer rather than using him as bait? So without waiting for their reply, he called for the man, come up here and, and stretch out your hand. Reach out. And his hand was restored. And that outraged them. And the thing is, Jesus didn't, that we know of, Jesus didn't do anything physically to heal the man. With a word, he spoke. He said, stretch out your hand, and he was healed. So what can we learn about the Sabbath? I think that there are three different things that we can see from the verses in Exodus and from here. For one thing, the very first thing, Sabbath prepares us for what is ahead. That's the first thing. Sabbath prepares us for what is ahead. Again, the children of Israel were, were told to begin the practice of Sabbath rest even before they had servants and gates and property to tend. So it prepares us. So if God is asking you to do anything, anything that doesn't make sense even right now, it's for preparation. It's for preparation of what is to come. So Sabbath prepares our hearts to say, yes, God, I trust you. I believe that what you're asking me to do, there's a reason for it. I may not see the reason right now. It may look to me like I need to tend all these sheep. It may look to me like I need to work, 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 and get it done. But there's a reason that you're asking me to rest. So I'm going to trust you that there's something ahead that I'm resting for. It prepares our hearts to trust God. Again, just as the children of Israel had to gather enough manna for the Sabbath and trust that it would last them. Because they were told, gather up enough and, and you won't be able to go out. But some of them didn't trust God. Some of them did not believe what God was saying. So they only gathered a certain amount for Friday. And then Saturday morning they went out there. Uh-oh, no manna. They didn't put their trust in God that he would provide that to be enough. And when we do not Sabbath, when we do not rest, when we do not take the gift that God has given us, then we're not trusting him. When we work, work, work and cannot unplug, are we saying, God, I have to grind because I, I don't believe that you'll take care of me if I set aside some time. God, I have to keep working to provide for myself. I, I can't afford to take this time because what if I fall slack or, or get short or what, you know, what, what happens when we're commanded to take rest because we need it. We must use the Sabbath time to trust that God has something prepared and that he'll carry us to the next place. Taking a break equates to trusting God. The second thing that we can learn about the Sabbath is that Sabbath is permission to cease from our typical labor. It's time to take a moment to see the good, just as they 
took that Sabbath time to only give praise to God, to only thank God for what good things he had done for them. God, when he took a Sabbath, he had created all things, and he said, it is good. And he sat down and he rested. And he, we don't know exactly what he did on his Sabbath, but he, we can just imagine. Because he kept saying, it is good, it is good, it is good. Maybe he sat down and he looked at everything. You know, he had, he had labored, he had worked all week long, and maybe he just sat down and admired. My golly, I did a great job. This is beautiful. This is excellent. Look at all this. Look at everything working together. And when we take the time for Sabbath, it's a time to appreciate the things that we already have if we're constantly striving, it's like, I want more, I want more, I need more, I have to have this, I have to have that. But a Sabbath makes us pause and appreciate what we already have. We're ceasing from our typical labor. The Sabbath was technically a time to allow the land, the cattle, the workers to rest physically, mentally, and emotionally. God did not Sabbath because he couldn't have pushed through and made more stuff. He didn't, he didn't take that time because he was tired, because he's God. He doesn't have the same limitations that we do. But he set it aside as an example for us. Do your best. Do your best. Then take the time to realize you did good. Cease from those typical labors. So instead of attempting to attain more and more and more. Follow the example of Christ and find someone to help. Because that's what Jesus did on the Sabbath days. He found people who were in need of help. He, again, we're able to rest from our typical labors and then go out and, and help somebody. Because we have that time. We're rested up. We've taken a pause. We can find someone who needs us. The third thing that we see is that Jesus is our place of rest. Again, Jesus did not qualify his statements. Only on certain days can you approach me for rest. Only between the hours of 9 and 5 can you come to me if you're weary. Only, only on the technical Sabbath can you come to me. No, only on the Christian Sabbath. Sunday, day of worship, can you come to me? Only on this day can you come? No. He said, come to me if you're weary. He established a new time set, a new time frame of Sabbath. He said, anytime you're tired, you come to me. Anytime that you're weary, I'm Sabbath. I am that place of rest that you can come. I am a place of intermission and recreation. Anytime that you need it, you come to me. If you're weary, if you're tired, you're, you've labored and you're heavy laden, he says, come and find rest. Take an intermission for your soul with that Prince of Peace. Take that time. The rest is not only possible, it is necessary. As the music plays, oftentimes in our culture, especially, in Western culture. How tired we are is a status symbol. How you doing? Busy. I know I've said that a ton of times. How you doing? Busy. 
And we see that if, if you're not tired, then you haven't worked hard and you can't be proud of yourself or, or you feel like you failed somehow. But we're not made to wear ourselves out. That's not God's intention. The Sabbath is a gift. The people of God are given the example by God, given the opportunity through Christ to have rest. So I encourage us today to accept that gift of Sabbath. It is a gift. So today, as we pray, and you can... You can pray in any posture that's that's good for you. If you need, if you'd like to stand, if you'd like to, if you need to see it, that's okay. But but whatever it is, please accept His Sabbath today. He says, "Come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you've labored, and you're at the point." Of being just too tired to make it. Just stumble into my arms. It's fine. Just take this moment for rest. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you first for the gift that is Sabbath rest. Father, we ask forgiveness for the times that we have created it to be something it was not intended to be. For those times we've been so legalistic about it, the letter of the law that it has to be this way or that way or whatever way. But God, we want to see the intention of what the Sabbath really is. That it's a gift for each and every one of us. A time to rest from our labors and to look around and say, what you have done through me is good. What I have is enough. And I want my heart to be grateful. Father, I pray that you would fill us today with gratitude. That as we look around, we would see you have been so good to us. You have blessed us in so many ways. You have provided for us through our, through our ability to labor. That we've gotten so many things. And we're thankful for those things, but most importantly, we're thankful for the opportunity to be with you. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand that by obeying your word, we're trusting you and we're getting prepared for what's ahead. God, we pray that you would continue to prepare our hearts for what you've got in store. We believe that there is more ahead. We believe that there is more coming. And we just want to put all our trust and our faith in you to receive that rest, to rest up for the stuff that's coming. Father God, I pray for each and every one of us that we would be able to lift that burden of constantly going, constantly doing, and time, time to rest in you, God. I pray that we would find that. I pray that we would find people who are in need, that on, on a day of rest, on a Sabbath, that we would be able to help those around us, that we would take this as an opportunity to bless other people because, God, you have blessed us so very much throughout this whole week, and we just want to bless somebody else. Father God, I pray as well that we would understand that we can find rest in Jesus. You give me 
that he is our savior and our healer and our provider, but he is our rest. He is our peace. He is our place that we can run to when we're tired and weary. Father, I pray for each and every person here today, each and every person watching today who is for whatever reason, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, God, each person who is worn out, I ask your peace to pour over them right now. I ask that you would help them to cease from their labors and find rest in you. God, that you would calm their minds that are constantly running. God, that you would bring silence to the fear of what if I don't get this done? What if I don't get this done? What if this wasn't enough? God, I ask you to bring peace that each and every one of us would find a moment to rest in you. day after day, Anytime we're weary, that we would just come into your arms and have an intermission. Knowing, yeah, we got to go back to work a little later. Knowing, yeah, we got to go get some things done. But for right now, for this moment, we have a time. God, we thank you. We praise you. We lift you up. We give you glory for your word, for what it says, for what it means, for the gifts that you give us day by day, God, we praise you. Thank you. We give you honor and glory. You are so good. You are so good to us, God. Today we say, may the Lord May Yahweh bless you. May he keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. And may he give you peace and rest in Jesus.